doing this morning? You doing good? All right, well, we are in a series right now called More, and before we jump in that, I want to say this real quick. If you're visiting, I want to take just a second and kind of remind everybody of what we are about here at Victory Church. We're about four things, all right? Here's what they are, growing, guiding, giving, and going. And so we believe in growing people closer to God. We believe in guiding people to freedom. We believe in giving people an opportunity to give in their time and their talent and their purpose. And then we believe in together going and making a difference. And so if you're wondering, hey, I'm visiting, I'm wondering what this church is about, this is what we're about. You'll see it in the banners in the hallway. And every Sunday, I like to take just a second and kind of highlight what we're doing and what God's doing in one of those areas. And we've been talking about guiding as small groups launch. They are going great. 50% of our church is in a small group right now. That's incredible, right? You can give God praise for that real quick. That's incredible. Uh, we talked about going last week or a couple weeks ago and how we're connecting with empowerment and corporation and uh, being able to try to bring uh, tutoring to the kids in Antioch and in, this, in Rutherford County to be able to prepare them for SATs and things like that. And then today, what I want to talk about real quick is the principle of growing, the value of growing people towards God. And here's what I'm going to talk about for the next, like, five or six weeks, and that's this, Easter Sunday. It's coming. It's coming quick. You'll blink, and it'll be here. And we've got all kinds of festivities uh, planned for, for during service and then after service. And so I want to ask you to start doing something now. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to tell you all the details, what we're doing, what's happening. But I'm going to ask you right now, would you start praying today about who God would have you bring to church on that Sunday? Statistics say 82% of people who are invited to church will come. And they said that percentage skyrockets up. On, or skyrockets on Easter Sunday because people are used to going to church on Easter Sunday. So it's a great opportunity to invite somebody, let them come here, experience God, and then watch this, help them find their purpose in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So you hear me talk about a lot coming up, so start praying now on who that's going to be. We just believe that God's going to use you to bring at least two people. Two people God's going to bring you into this place. I'm believing, I'll talk more about it, I'm believing for 600 people on our campus on Easter Sunday. And so I'll talk a lot about it as we move on, but I uh, just want to go ahead and get your mind ready. Good? All right? So the series we've been in more uh, is all about us experiencing the more God has for our life. And for the first four weeks, so this is the fourth week, the first four weeks, I wanted to talk about the, the more that God has for us and in us, okay? And then the next four weeks, starting next week, I want to talk about the more God wants to do through us, okay? So for these first four weeks, we're talking about the more that God has for us. And then the next four weeks, we'll talk about the more that God wants to do through us. So here's what's really cool. When we started kind of preaching these first four, I, I didn't really uh, plan this. Matter of fact, I know I didn't plan this at all. I was just kind of preaching. We were going through the life of David, you know, 1 Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 18, 1 Samuel 19, and, and just kind of letting that Bible walk with us and, and, and show us what it means to access that more. And it kind of made an acronym. Uh, and you know me, I love acronyms, but it did it on accident. I didn't do it on purpose, all right? So let me show you what I mean. The first week we talked about moving towards more, right? If you want more in your life, you got to move. you got to move towards more. The second week we talked about the giant issues in our life and how you have to overcome those giant issues to be able to, to, be able to get the more in your life. And then last week we talked about reinforcing your reason, right, and knowing why you do it. And this week I want to talk to you about expectation and how expectation matters and how it's everything. And I just thought this was so cool. I was talking to Scott at the gym one day and I said, I think this is actually going to create an acronym. And for the first time in my life, I didn't mean to do an acronym, and it did it. And so I just thought this is so cool because this is how God works. 
works. And so you move towards more, you overcome your giant issues, you reinforce your reason, and then your expectation matters. When it comes to you experiencing the more God has for your life, these are the first four steps. Isn't that cool? Am I the only person that finds it that cool? Y'all are all like, it's pretty lame, Troy. I just thought it was awesome. I just, apparently, I, you know, okay, I see how it is. I like acronyms more than you. I get it. Okay. Um, so I thought it was special. And so we just kind of been following along with David, right? And so 1 Samuel 16 and 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 18. Today, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 19. 1 Samuel 19. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. You can look at the screen behind me. You can jump on your phone or you can check out our app. All the verses are there and you'll be able to follow along in 1 Samuel chapter 19. When we left off with David, um, David had been anointed king. He had taken out Goliath and then he had returned from taking out Goliath to what he expected to be kind of a, a praise time, right? Because ladies met him out in the street with tambourines and harps and they're all having a good time talking about how David slayed 10,000 and Saul only slayed 1,000. They're singing this song and, and then kind of to a surprise to David, Saul kind of turns on him and starts getting jealous and attempts to kill him a couple of times throughout chapter 18. And so we're going to pick up Verse 1, chapter 19, where it says, Saul told his son, Jonathan, and all of the attendants to kill David. There you go. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David, and he warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. So be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I'll go out, I'll stand with my father in the field where you are, close to where you are, and I'll speak to him about you. And then I'll tell you what I find out. So you go to the field, you hide. I'll come out there with my dad. We'll talk about you, and then I'll let you know what he says. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and he said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David, for he has not wronged you. And what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all of Israel, including you, and I'll watch this, and you saw it, and you were glad. You saw the victory, and you were glad. Why then? Why then? Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Everybody say, why then? Why then? Why then? Why then? Why? then. Those two words, anytime you see those two words, why then, you can guarantee that they are describing unmet expectations. Why then? God said, that, why then? If you said, you were, why, why then? It reveals an unmet expectation. And if we are going to access the more that God has for our life, hear me, we have got to get a hold of our expectations. we got to get a hold of them because expectation is everything. Expectation is everything in your marriage, what you expect, what you wake up in the morning expecting. If it, your whole day is built on expectations. Here, let me prove it to you. The way you wake up on Monday is different than the way you wake up on Saturday. Because your expectations are different. Expectation is everything. And if we don't get a hold of our expectations, we'll find out that they will somehow, in some strange way, prevent us from actually accessing the more that God has for our life. And I'm learning 
that it's hard for me to get a hold of my expectations. And here's why. Number one reason right here. Because my expectation doesn't match my experience. You ever had that? You ever had your expectation not quite line up with your current experience? In verse 3, chapter 19, Jonathan tells David, hey, I want you to go in to hiding and stay there. Now, this was interesting to me as I'm reading it this week because, again, we've been reading this together, y'all. We've been 16, 17, 18, 19. So in chapter 16, David is brought in front of his brothers, and he's anointed king. He's the man. In chapter 17, he steps up and fights this, this Goliath, the giant, and takes him down. He's the man. In chapter uh, 18, people come out with, with, with tambourines and harps and, you know, David killed 10,000. You know, we talked about the remix. And so everything's going good. So I'm like, what's 19 going to bring, right? Like, I'm expecting so much from chapter 19, and it opens up with David in hiding, fearing for his life. It's not what I expected, and and I guarantee you it's not what David expected. And so I was kind of picturing David, right? So David's in the field. He's hiding. So I just imagine he's behind a bush. I don't really know where you hide in a field. And so he's kind of behind a bush, and he's hiding, and and, and Saul and Jonathan are talking, and I just kind of see David hiding doing this. Well, I didn't think I was going to be here. You know, I really thought God was going to, you know, establish me as king. I I really thought God was going to iron out this issue between me and Saul by chapter 19. You know I mean? I know he was throwing spears at me last chapter, but I thought by now God was going to kind of iron that out. I really thought by now God was going to, you know, put me in that that kingship position. I really thought God was going to do something different by chapter 19. I just really thought God was gonna. Have you ever thought God was gonna? Let's just be honest for a second. We ain't got nowhere to go. Let's be honest for a second. You ever really thought God was was just gonna do something different than what he did? I'm, I'm gonna talk to those of you that that At one time in your life, you had an expectation of what God would do or the way God would be, and your expectation didn't quite match up with your experience. You know, I I thought God was going to get me that job. I I thought God was going to heal them. I I thought God was going to provide in this situation. I thought God was going to answer this prayer. I thought God was going to open that door. I thought God was going to. I want to talk to those people this morning. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, there's moments in our life where we thought God was gonna. But, but here's the deal. Listen, you're not angry at God. You, you still think God is blessing and you're still thankful for all that God's doing in your life. But if you were just being honest, there was a moment where you expected it to look one way and your expectation didn't quite line up with your experience. And honestly, y'all, it's hard. It's just hard. Right? About a month or so ago, both of my girls were out of school. Casey Ray's four, Veda's nine. Veda goes to school. Casey Ray goes like a mama's day out type thing. They were both out because of a holiday. And normally when both of my kids are at home during the day, you can count that there's going to be some type of World War III type experience in my home. 
And so I got this great idea. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pack the kids up. We're going to drive to Franklin. We're going to go to the mall. going to give them five bucks and let them shop at the mall. And then we're going to go out to like a pizza place and eat pizza. And then we're going to get ice cream. And we're going to just, we're going to exhaust them, bring them home, put them in bed. And it's going to be this great day, right? This, this was my expectations. This is, this is the, what we're going to do. And so I told my wife and, and she says, okay. And so we put them in the car and, and we, look, y'all, we don't even get to the interstate entrance, okay? I'm talking not even three minutes from my house and they are fighting over which one's going to get the phone and which one's going to get the iPad, right? Which one, well, what's the DV? What DVD is in the DVD player? Because apparently now in 2019, kids can't drive in a car for four minutes without having something to watch, right? But we, all we had to entertain us was the button that rolled the window up. You know what I'm talking about? You were just up, down, up, down. And it's like rubbing across your face, you know, and you just, this is just, this is entertainment for me. This is, this is what I got. You got an iPad. I got a button. Be happy. You know what I mean? And so I'm driving. I don't even get past the Bojangles. And they are yelling, Mama, Casey hit me. Mama, Veda touched me. And I'm like, ah. And I'm trying to try to decide exactly what speed I need to go to run my vehicle through the entire Bojangles building at one time. You know what I mean? Like I'm just about to lose my mind. And I'm like, we, we've been in a car for four minutes. And I'm supposed to drive to Franklin, which is 40 minutes, and then I gotta spend hours with them, and y'all won't come take them. And so this is my day. And there was just this moment that was so priceless where my wife looked at me, and this was so prophetic. She looked at me and she said, Well, Troy, what did you expect? And I didn't know. I, sh- I know what I should have expected. I've done this before. I've had them for a while. You know what I mean? And so I've been in this moment, and I just thought, I said, you know what, baby? I, I honestly don't know. I, don't- I guess I just was expecting something unrealistic. <laughs> I-, I guess I was just wanting it to be different this time. You know what I mean? And that whole thought process triggered another thought process in my mind, and here's the road I went down. What was David expecting? He didn't have royalty in his bloodline originally. He, he wasn't Saul's son, right? He, he, he had been raised in the pasture, not the palace. And, and, and so where does David get his expectation? And that was kind of my thought process I went down. Is Here's David. He's hiding. He's got all these unmet expectations because his experience isn't lining up with his expectation. And all I could think is, where did he get his expectation? To him, what should a king be experiencing? Should a king be like being brought in on some type of chair with people feeding him grapes and waving all these big leaves? Like what are his expectations and where would he get them from? I mean, he probably could have got them from people, right? Hey, man, what's it like to be a king? Hey, Saul, help a brother out. Let me know what it's like. You know, he could have got it from past experiences. Well, the last king, when he came through town, he had the entourage and the flags on the tip of his car. And so that's what I'm expecting. He could have got it just from popular opinion. Well, here's what we hear about kings. But where did he get his expectation? Listen to me, church. I think what we don't pay enough attention to is what are our expectations and where do they come from? We all have expectations, But I don't think we spend enough time actually identifying what they are. And so we're disappointed because our experience didn't match our expectation, but we honestly went into it not knowing what our expectation was to begin with. What's your expectation for marriage? 
Have you ever actually voiced it? One of the things we do with, with couples when we do marriage counseling, one of the first things we do is we give them a sheet of paper, both, and we say, write down your top five expectations. And, and people are like, okay. And it's funny because they'll look at us going like, this is going to take like 10 minutes. Like you, you made dinner and everything. This is going to take 10 minutes. What are we going to do? And it'll be like two and a half hours later and we'll still be there talking. Because you'll find out that people had expectations that they've never really voiced. And because they had these expectations, they think they voiced them, but they didn't really. And so they've got all of this preconceived idea based off of expectations. And once you voice them, then you have to start actually living by them. And watch this. Once you recognize them, then you can ask, where do they come from? When it comes to you parenting your children, you've got expectations of your kids. Where did you get them? What are they? More than likely, the expectations you have for your kids are based off the expectations your parents had for you. When it comes to your job, you have expectations. When you go into work Monday morning, you're going to walk in that door, and whether you know it or not, you're going to have an expectation in your spirit. Do you even know what it is? Have you ever even actually sat down and, and thought about it and acknowledged it? And if so, where did it come from? Well, I got it from my last job. Okay, well, it's going to be completely different at this job. You understand what I'm saying? If we're not careful, we'll allow unrealistic expectations to exist in our spirit, and then we'll walk around disappointed because they don't match our experience. So, so let me give you an example. Um, most of you ladies who, who you, you're, you're forming your expectation of your spouse or your future husband or your, you know, your man, right, you're, you're, you're the, the one who's going to come in and especially if I got any teenage girls in here, this is you right now, you're already prepping, right, young adult girls, you're not dating or married, you're already, this is what my man's going to be like, he's going to have the eyes of Tom Cruise and, uh, and he's going to have uh, the Black Panther's chest and, you know, I mean, just all this kind of weird stuff, don't, y'all don't go there, okay, and so so here's what ends up happening. Stuff like this happens. The movie The Notebook comes out, right? Stuff like this. And it creates these expectations you have in a relationship. Let's pick this apart for a second, okay? First of all, did he just hang from like an amusement park ride by one hand? Have y'all seen this movie? Am I, am I talking to myself? It's okay. Allie and Noah, y'all haven't seen this? Okay. So, so this is like the love story that we should all represent by, right? All right. But there's this one scene I want to talk about just for a second. In case you had not seen the movie, I'm going to set you up. He's playing this date for her, and, and she dresses to the nines. Okay, this is set back like, I don't know, in the 20s or whatever. And so she, she's got this like long white dress and the white hat. You know what I mean? It looks like she's going to church in Atlanta. You know what I mean? And she's just, she's good to go. And she, they go on a date and he puts her in this boat and they're in like a swamp is what I think it is. But they're like going, and there's geese everywhere. And he's just kind of, you know, he's just kind of rowing and she's like sitting all proper. And it's just, it's just this beautiful moment of eye touching eyes. And she's just, this is romantic, babe. I can't believe you got me all dressed up and brought me out to the swamp. This is so romantic. Like, I'm so glad I'm in this boat with you. And, and, and here's the best part. Then it starts to rain, okay? Not lying to you. Allie, the girl, she's like, oh, oh my goodness, it's raining. Oh, this is so, 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 oh, this is so romantic. I can't believe you brought me out here. And he's getting all wet, you know, and then they pull the boat to you all slow. Like, oh, goodness, I can't believe we're getting soaking wet. Oh, this is so great. We're going to throw these clothes away, but that's okay. They cost like $200. But so he pulls the boat up, you know, and they have this exchange where he's like, you know, she's like, why didn't you write me? And he's like, I wrote you every day for a year. It's not over. It's still not over. And they run and they kiss, and it's all beautiful. And that's what's producing expectation. 
Can I tell you how that would really go? First of all, girl gets out of the car in her dress and goes, where are we? Man, I thought we would get in the boat in a swamp. Do you see what I put on? This cost me 200 I put it on your credit card, and you're about to put me in a Did you clean the boat? No, I didn't get the time to clean it because it's been up. Let me, is, are, there, are there bugs on it? I, have you seen if there's a spider in it? Like, would you just get in the boat? Are there alligators in this water? I don't know, baby. We're in Smyrna, Tennessee. Would you just get in Piercy Priest Lake? It's like, I don't know. So she gets in the boat, and the boat starts going, and it's all, you know, now she's starting to kind of, and all of a sudden it starts to rain, right? And we think it's going to be like, oh, my goodness, this is so amazing. And here's what she says. She goes, you didn't even check the weather report? You done planned a date on a boat outside, and you didn't think to check the weather report? You are the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You think I'm having a kid with you? I don't want our kid to have your IQ. And he starts yelling, I'm just trying to do something different for you. All right? Apparently, we can't go to Shoney's no more because when we go to Shoney's, we always go to Shoney's. And they're yelling, and he forcefully flips the boat. So she goes in the water, and she gets out in her outfit, and she's all drinking. That's reality. You know what I mean? That's reality. Me and Darla will watch these movies, and I'm like, that can't happen that way. They always cut it off before the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, they ride away, but where's the flat tire? You know what I mean? Like, they go, they go on the trip, but where's the whole, oh, man, I ain't got no money. Well, me neither. I guess we ought to break up. You know what I mean? Like, that's the reality, but it's setting these expectations for us, and we don't voice them. Men, can I talk to you for a moment? When you got married... When you got married, you had an expectation, an everyday expectation. <laughs> we will have a little counseling session for a moment. That's not realistic, you know what I'm saying? But we create these expectations in our mind. And watch this, we don't voice them. And so we wake up and we have this expectation. Some of us right now have an expectation of God. We have an expect. watch this, some of you right now, if not every one of you, have an expectation of church. Every one of you. When you came in here today, you came in with an expectation of church. Some of you, you get it because of where your mom and dad raised you. Some of it, we get it because of what we've been a part of in the past. And this is how we develop our expectations. And expectations are not bad because you have to have expectations. But you need to recognize your expectations. You need to say, hey, this is what they are. Because if you're not careful, watch this, you will become disappointed because your experience doesn't match your expectation, but your expectation was unrealistic to begin with. People have expectations of Christianity and salvation. People think that when they get saved, they're never going to struggle again. Well, I should never mess up again. I'm saved. Doesn't work that way. Because when you got saved, the penalty of sin was gone. Gone because of what Jesus did. But the pattern of sin is still alive in who you are. And so it's a process of working it out. It's why just because you get saved today doesn't mean everything's a walk in roses and, and lilies tomorrow. It's a process. But if the expectation's off, the expectation won't match the experience, and that will hurt you moving forward. And so you have to identify this is the expectation, and is it realistic or not? Where did you get it from? 
And that's why I want to read you Psalm 62, verse 5, and you need to sow this on your heart. My soul waits silently for God, for God alone, for my expectation is from him. What's my expectation on marriage? Read the Bible and find out what his expectation is. Because can I tell you something? A lot of times what we expect is not the expectation God has. You want to know what, how to, how to, what's my expectation in raising my kids? What's the expectation I should have in my walk and in my faith? What does God say? What is the expectation God is asking or giving or presenting to you? Don't just take it from your parents. Don't just take it from past experiences. Don't just take it from what's popular. Take it from Scripture. Amen? you got to know what your expectation is because, listen, once you get to your experience, here's point two. Your experience has a way of lowering your expectation. Let me unpack this for a second. So I'm going to use this verse, then I'll unpack it. Verse 11 through 12 says, Then Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him and kill him in the morning. So this is after the conversation with Jonathan. David decides, I'm done. This is like the tenth time he's tried to kill me. I'm done. And it says that David's wife, Mikael, warned him, if you do not run for your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be dead. So Mikael lowered David from the window, and he ran away and escaped. So here's what I see. I see King David. I see the warrior David in a basket being lowered. Down the side of a building. How shameful is that? You know what I mean? You just killed a giant, right? I didn't read this to you, but I'm going to read it to you. In order for him to get, I'm going to say it to you, in order for him to get Michael, he had to bring back Saul a hundred giant foreskins, Philistine foreskins, okay? Should have took your kid to V-Kids. Uh, um, and, and so, and so he, he ends up bringing back 200. That's how, that's how bad this boy was. This, this is like the kid that's got a mustache in fourth grade. You know what I mean? He was bad. And here he is. Lower and lower and lower and lower. And here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that my past experience tends to be an enemy of my future faith. Okay? My past experience becomes an enemy of my future faith. Am I the only one who tends to lower my expectations so that it can match my experience, because the more I'm disappointed, the more that stinks. And so I decide that if I'll just lower my expectations, I can actually start seeing those expectations happen, and maybe I'll get a win here. Let me give you an illustration that you can relate to. So when I met Pastor Brian, we were in high school. I can't remember what grade right now. But we loved, we both loved to play basketball a lot. So every day after school, we went and played basketball. Every day. And so we would go to whatever person's house, we'd play basketball. The only thing I ever wanted to do, the only thing I ever wanted to do was to dunk the ball. It's not asking a lot, right? I just wanted to be able to dunk the basketball. But I was born with a disability, and it's because I'm white, and that's a disability. Okay, and so I couldn't dunk the ball because I'm white. And so, so literally, we would play basketball for, for, you know, an hour or two, and before we leave, I'd try, I'd be like, hold on, guys, before we leave, i got to try to dunk the ball. And Pastor Brian could dunk it, and different people, and I'd be like, so I would grab the ball, and I'd run, and I'd try to dunk it, and I, sometimes I could hit the rim, but I couldn't actually dunk it, all right? I couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't actually put, maybe if I tried a tennis ball, but I couldn't dunk it. But then I learned that you could lower the goal, right? There's a little button you could push, and the goal would go from 10 feet to about 6 feet. And so the goal would be like right here. And not only could I dunk it, but I didn't have to jump to dunk it. So I was like, I was jumping off of walls, you know what I mean? I was doing like the under the leg type stuff. I was having people throw me alley oops. And I was just jamming it down. 
But it wasn't fulfilling. It was just different. Like, I could do it now, but it, but it wasn't the same as if I would have been able to do it when it was high. And what I'm learning about me, and I wonder if it's the same thing about you, is that the longer I go on disappointed, I will start lowering my goals, right, until they get to a place where I can reach them. But I found out that when I lower my goals to reach them, I lose fulfillment. When I bring that goal down, I had these high expectations of what God was going to do in my life, but God, the experience didn't match my expectation. And since the experience didn't match my expectation, I'll just lower my goal. And when I lower my goal time and time again, yes, now I can reach it. I can, ease, I can, I can, I can jam on that. But there's no fulfillment there. Make sense? I think the enemy likes to use our past experience to weaken our future faith to make us lower our future goals. I wanted to give you a real-life illustration, but I needed to wait for a while. I've been wanting to tell you all this story for months, but I needed some information to, to become public for me to be able to do it. So I've got to set up the story in context, so walk with me for a moment. Um, when I was in Memphis and I was on staff at a church, I was on staff at a church for 13 years, last three years of the church in Memphis. For, I mean, you're going to need to know this. For the sake of the story, let's call the church The House. It had a couple names while I was there, but The House. I was on staff for three years. The last three years we were there as the executive pastor. This church went through some leadership change and went through some value and some vision changes. And through that process, it caused the church to start declining, okay? It started declining about the time I became the executive pastor. And so I was having to deal with a lot of financial issues. I was having to deal with a lot of problems with lack of volunteers. I was having to deal with a lot of problems with people leaving. And so I would go meet people and find out what's wrong. And did we do something wrong? Can we fix it? And I just a lot of of upsetting meetings, a lot of financial meetings where the finances were going down. I had to fire one of my good friends that was on staff. I had to let him go. That was really, really difficult. It was just a hard time. And it seemed like every time I had a meeting about finances, it was a bad meeting. You know, every, every time we had a meeting, if somebody's left, the finances this, we got that. You know, uh, there was a flood in this room. We got to fix that. You know, just on and on and on. And I found myself every day praying for three things. Every day, I'd pray for three things. I told y'all, I have my routine in the morning because I'm not going to do something I don't ask you to do. So I have my prayer routine in the morning. I had it in Memphis. Every morning, three, three things I prayed for. I prayed that God would grow the church so the auditorium would be full. I prayed that God would grow the church so that the finances would become strong. And I prayed that it would become a dream center because I just believed that the vision for that church was to be a dream center because it's in a very poverty-stricken area and it's meeting needs and it was doing great things. So that was my three prayers every day, every day. Every day, God, I pray you would grow the church, auditorium would be full. I pray you grow the church so the finances would be strong. I pray you become a dream center every day, every day, every day. And it seemed like every day I'd go into a meeting and there'd be bad news, bad news. This went on, y'all, for three years, okay? So now we're getting closer and closer to the time for Darla and I to move. And um, nothing, nothing's changing. I'm thinking like, all right, well, you know, maybe it's me. Maybe, maybe once I leave, you know, boom, something will happen. I'll find out I'm the, I'm the aching in the camp or something. You know, I don't know what's going on. And that's a Bible reference. And so I'm just trying to figure something out and figure the process out. And so by the time we leave to move here to Smyrna, everything is still, it's still going downhill. So for three years, I've prayed three prayers, and God hasn't answered any of them, okay? So it's becoming difficult for me because my experience is not matching my expectation, right? What, what I'm asking God to do, he's not doing. And not only is he not doing it, it seems like it's doing the worst. Because every time I go into a meeting, there'd be one more family that left. There'd be one more financial problem. There'd be one more thing. And I was really, really struggling with that process. So then we get here to Smyrna. And watch this. Now God is asking me to believe for a whole different church. Now I have to believe for a church to grow out of nothing. Now I have to believe for finances to become out of nothing. Now I have to believe for a vision for a community I've never lived in in my life, right? So I come in this. Now here's what makes it worse. For the first 
we, we, we lived here for seven months before we launched the church. The entire seven months, I would get phone calls from Memphis, people telling me, man, it's worse than it was when you were here. Man, it's getting bad. We had to let so-and-so go. One, one time when I was on staff there, we all took the role of the janitorial position, so we were cleaning all the buildings so that we could help not have to let people go financially. And he's like, man, it's getting worse. We had to let this person go. This happened. That happened. And I'm just like, man. And so watch this. Watch how this happens. This goes on into we launched the church in January. In February, I'm getting calls. In March, I'm getting calls. In April, I'm getting calls. It's bad, man. It's bad. This is happening. That's happening. It started to affect my faith for Victory Church. Walk with me for a moment. How can I believe that God's going to do something here when he wouldn't do it there? Right? God, how, how do I believe you're going to grow a church here when you didn't do it there? How am I going to believe that you're going to raise finances here when you're not raising them there? How am I going to believe that, that you're going you're to put into place this vision here when you didn't do it there. I, I really struggled with that. You ever been there? God, how, how can I believe you to do it here when you didn't do it there? How am I going to pray for someone to be healed here if you didn't heal them there? How am I going to believe that you're going to give me the job here when you didn't give it to me there? You ever struggled with your here because of your there? You ever, am I in the right room? You ever had that problem? So I noticed that this started to affect my faith. And so on Sundays, there were Sundays when there were 10 people in this room. And it would, it would really hurt my faith in the process of believing God. Are you going to do this? Are you going to grow this church? You didn't do it there. Are you going to do it here? And this was a real struggle for me. Because I think the enemy will use your past experiences that disappoint you to be able to impact your future faith. And he will cause you to lower your expectations and where God's taking you based off of the misunderstanding you have of where you've been. That's what I think will happen. And so watch this. December of last year, I go to Memphis. We go to spend Christmas with our parents, and I, I eat lunch with my pastor, my, my old pastor. And he begins to tell me this story, and let me, let me try to make this very brief. Um, there was a really big, successful church in Memphis called Life Church. The head pastor and my pastor were really good friends growing up, and God orchestrated some things. And that church, the house that I was a part of, is coming up under the leadership of the Life Church Memphis. And now watch this. He's telling me all this, right? And so they're going to become a site campus of this campus. They'll now be the Life Church Austin P campus, which is the street our church was on. And they're, they're bringing in people because it's a church of like 10,000 people, right? So there were like 300 volunteers coming. And then they, were bring, they had given like $2 million for renovation. So they came in. Watch this. They came in and they made the finances strong. And then they're going to launch this Easter, and you better believe because of the influence they have in their community, that auditorium's going to be full, right? And now watch this. Here's the best part. I'm talking to him. He's going on and on. He goes, yeah, and what John is the pastor's name, what Pastor John's doing is he's wanting to make our campus a dream center campus. And I'm like, what? And he begins to explain to it. Now watch this. God answered all three prayers, but he didn't do it the way I thought he was going to do it. I thought it was going to be the house. I thought it was going to grow and become all that it is. But, but I didn't understand that what was going to happen in God's world is he was going to bring in this church with this relationship with people who were in a band together 25 years ago and to be able to connect and fulfill his prayer and promise. Because here's what I'm starting to understand, that sometimes my expectation on purpose doesn't line up with my experience. And all of this made me look at Ephesians 3.20 in a total different way. We've built our entire series off of this verse, all right? And I'm going to have to close, but watch this. 
Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power. I started to realize something. I could never imagine that Life Church would come in and buy that church. I, I could have never imagined that. That's, that's beyond my thinking. I, I would have never asked for it because I couldn't imagine it. And here's the statement. Here was the statement God gave me, and here's the statement for you and I as we move forward in this series. If you want the more that God has for your life, go ahead right now and accept the fact that your experience will never match your expectation. Never. Because you can't get the more from God if he's on your level of imagination. I heard a pastor say it like this, God can't meet your expectations when he's trying to exceed your expectations, right? And so I just, I wanted to be able to lay this statement for you as we move forward and as God's bringing us where he's taking us and we're asking God for more in our life and all these things, the enemy is going to try to hurt you by making you look at your experience versus your expectation. Do me a favor right now. Go ahead and understand in your spirit that if you're going to get the more that God has for your life, if you're going to get all the promises that God has for your life, your expectations are going to never match your experience. Because God is not going to do it the way you think he's going to do it. But he's going to do it even more than you could ask or imagine. Amen? So as we move forward and God starts drawing out the more in your life, here's what you're prepared for. Number one, you got to move. Be ready to move. Be ready to move. If you want God to do more in your life, you got to be ready to move. You got to be ready to change. As soon as you start moving, understand there's going to be a giant that pops up in your way. And be ready to take him down. He's in between you and your more. Be ready to take him down. Once you do that, reinforce your reason. Why am I doing this? Why do I want more? And then after that, get a hold of your expectations. Because if you're not careful, what you expect will move you out of what God wants to do. Because your expectations will get in the way. Because as cool as you are and as smart as you are, the way he operates is beyond your understanding. And so God hears your prayers, but he might not do it the way you want him to do it. And if you're expecting him to go by the way you want it to go, there's a chance you're going to miss it. Amen? Lord, we thank you for who you are, your faithfulness. I thank you that you want more for our lives. I thank you that when it comes to our marriages and when it comes to our kids and when it comes to our jobs, when it comes to the purpose you've called us to do, you want more for our lives. You want to use us to do more. You want us to have more impact. But God, in order for us to do that, we have to get in line with our expectations and make sure that our expectations are from you and not someone else. Because if they're not from you, we might find ourselves in a place of disappointment. And then we're going to find ourselves, Lord, cursing our experience before we ever even asked where the expectations came from. And so, God, right now, would you just do me a favor? Right now, Lord, I just pray that your expectation would come and replace our expectation. Would you make that your prayer? God, I know I'm expecting something. I know I have an expectation in my marriage. I know I have an expectation in my finances. I know I have an expectation in my job. I have an expectation in you. 
And God, I pray right now that you would come and replace my expectation with your expectation. And that, God, I would understand from day one that my experience cannot match my expectation if I want you to do more than I could ask or imagine. Thank you, Lord, that we get to believe that. Thank you, Lord, that we get to walk in that. And thank you, Lord, that we get to look forward to that. We give you our lives. We give you our expectations so that we can experience the more that you have for our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.